Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you very much. I hope everybody is well and that you are and people should stay well and not get tired and yancy about the restrictions, but more important and more important than ever. Uh, well, I, I agree with you, and we hope that people are able to cope with the situation and, and do so with as big of a smile on their faces as possible. For a lot of families, it's really tough, as you know, um, especially with uh, children around who, you know, need stimulation and entertainment. Uh, but people are uh, are making it through. I think I think many people are finding that they have resilience that they didn't know they had before. And if there's a good takeaway from all of this, that might be one of them, right? I think absolutely, and people see that you can overcome, and those who say this is the worst time ever, just ask anybody who was in Europe in the 1930s or 1940s. Or, I mean, there's so many times that we've had that were difficult here, but thank God we, people can get food. People, There are services, there are things that are, are being done. If people are careful and people take the necessary precautions, that we can get past this, and you know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train coming at us. It is a solution that ultimately even just the very nature of this without uh, some sort of an inoculation will be that will start to dry up when we get to hot weather. So it's a long stretch. I find that I haven't got enough time in the day to do all the things that I want to do here at my home and things that I put off for all the years. Doesn't it go by quickly? Like, you, you turn around, it's evening already. <laughs> I'm, and I'm exhausted, and I, I don't even know. And I, I find myself on the phone all the time with conference calls, and people take advantage, and, and nobody can say, to cut it short, that they have to run because everybody knows they have no place to go. <laughs> so you got to stay on the phone. But, no, but no, and we, also the time it takes to read all the creative, humorous, and some serious messages that are, are coming out. I just have to say that uh, if, if I hope that this level of creativity will continue and be applied uh, after this to constructive efforts on behalf of the community. And it's interesting, you're a serious news guy, and, and even you yourself appreciate the humor that's going around throughout this whole situation. Oh, it's very clever, some of it, and so, so creative. I just don't know how people have time or how they do it. <laughs> how they think of it, huh? Where it comes from. Um, uh, all right, uh, there is, uh, and by the way, one thing you just mentioned in terms of the availability of food, thank God, that should continue. Uh, availability of medication to whatever degree, and and if there is in fact you know medications that can be helpful, etc. Think of all the countries that don't have a situation like that. Think of all the countries that you know are not going to be able to provide for their poor, are not going to be able to provide for their citizens if this thing continues the way it is. So we are very very lucky, and I think those in Israel you'd agree also to a great degree are very very lucky, and the, the leadership in the two countries I think relative to other countries on the globe are handling this. Very well. Would you give them good marks on that, both Israel and the United States? I would. I think uh, there's been leadership demonstrated on local level, uh, state level, certainly on national levels uh, in these different countries. That um, and there are other places where they were not on top of it, and right. and some still are, are hesitant. There are countries that made a decision not to put restrictions that people just get it. I think it's a big mistake, and it's going to force um, you know the limitations on travel and everything to continue. But as much as that's an inconvenience, people should realize that that's a life-saving measure. I assume you've heard already that the Prime Minister of the U.K. has it. 
I've heard that. And uh, yeah, that's all over the place already. And that, that's, you know, it becomes, you know, people always talk about high profile, but it's a reality. When a high profile person has it, it's, it, it gets even more scary. Like, oh my gosh, even they could have it, you know? And maybe that will scare some of the people who think that it's not going to touch them and that um, who, who are misleading others into doing things that, that can be potentially very dangerous. Just look at the hospitals, look at the obituary notices, look at the disproportion in England. Jews are 5% of the victims, but one-third of, of a percent of the population. Right. Wow. So it's disproportionate in our communities. It's true here. And, um, uh, you know, this has become the occasion for a lot of anti-Semitic man- manipulation. Uh, people don't get to see what uh, we get in the aggregate of all the reports around the country of the efforts to to exploit this, to spread messages, even threats to, you know, spray police and Jews and others uh, with uh, the virus. Um, I saw that the Iranians, remember who the guy used to do the annual Holocaust cartoon thing that I reported on yeah, of course. years ago here? Sure. So he is new one on the uh, a contest that they just launched on the virus. And you can be sure that this is going to be a vehicle for a lot of vicious anti-American, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish uh, venom. And the the um, uh, you know it's so much in evidence, and they, and they exploit any vulnerability or image or something that that displays indifference or uh, on the part of the mem- very select members of our community or others. And this is it's something everybody has to think of the Ahrais they have. When uh, in, in this, not just for themselves, it's not just a personal decision. It has much broader ramifications, and the the, the hospitals are, are stretched. The limitation of services is not something that you can take lightly. And as you said, a prime minister gets it; uh, others get it. Oh, and Prince Charles, right? Prince Charles also. Prince Charles had it. Yes, it doesn't distinguish, and it um, and announce a prevention in this case can be very important. And now, I mean, if you, anybody on social media is seeing, uh, they are linking this to permanent lung damage if someone gets it, and I'm talking about permanent, mm-hmm. you know, someone who recovers from it, possibly permanent heart damage. I mean, God knows how it, how insane this virus is. And uh, with the millions of viruses, because, of course, I'm watching all these specials now, millions of viruses out there, so few of them ever get transmitted from animal to Human, and this one, of course, did. And Bedera uh, Hateva, as we say, uh, God is doing what he felt necessary now to the entire world. And literally, the globe is shut down. I don't know if there's a comparison to any other period of time. The globe is shut down at this point. There's Everyone is completely secluded. The The images from around the world are scary. And anybody, look, I will, everyone knows, I told them, I discussed this with my listeners this morning because, I mean, they're concerned and I appreciate it. I'm shuttling, you know, across the street, and that's it. I'm in my apartment, and I'm the only human being allowed in this studio. And by the way, people are concerned about you as well. Can I? Can we reassure everybody that you're not moving at this point? I, I'm chained to my house. Good. My kids don't let me out. And one, of, one of my friends said to me that his wife put one of those uh, ankle bracelets on yeah, him. Exactly. <laughs> so and good. they have monitors, and we have alarms that go off if, uh, <laughs> if I wander around. Yeah. Spe- special I, did, I did adventure out onto my porch and then quickly back, but I, I needed to get some fresh air. I thought people were but saving. We, you know, I, people I, I, should one use second. it as an opportunity to learn to daven, to daven real kavan, even if it's yichidus, even if it's you're davening alone without a minion. You take advantage of this. This is a chance to do things that, that you know, normally would be running around. So it can be turned into a positive to spend people spending time with their kids, learning with their kids. 
I mean, I see a lot of positive uh, interactions, and hopefully that will also have a long-lasting impact, that people will look at what it means to be part of a community differently, what it means to be isolated from your neighbors and things you take for granted every day. I totally agree should. with you. I totally, I've told my Sephardic friends, you're not going to believe this, but I said Pesukah de Zimra as slowly as you do this past Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's some beautiful Pesukim, yeah. which, which, by the way, apply to the situation that we're in right now. If you go through it slowly, got nowhere to go, everybody, nowhere to go. May as well spend some time on it. Uh, by the way, on the porch thing, you know, you you were supposed to save the porch visit for your Cholamoid trip. So I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I no, that's the backyard. <laughs> oh, okay. You're, you have options. Thank God. I'm glad to hear that. Little ones, but yes. Uh, all right. We'll start. I guess we'll get back uh, if there are other issues with Corona. But obviously, the topic of the day is the Israeli government and the future Israeli government. I I, I honestly cannot because I just don't get it. Can you explain the sequence of events this week? Uh, yes, although they are very surprising and even, even more confusing that the, um, and I think Netanyahu knows who haven't seen his speech in Hebrew, there is an English translation from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs site. He gave a most remarkable address where he, he talks about Bezos uh, Hashem repeatedly, he talks about Chodesh Nisan, and, uh, but more importantly, a message to the people it was really a, a remarkable address. That's the one where he said, and I posted this in Hebrew, where he said, Nishar Babatim, Nishar Bachayim. Right. Which was right, one of his great quotes from that speech. So the. What happened was that the blue and white was headed towards disintegration. And it has happened so many times before with Daesh and all these new parties that come up, usually in response to a particular circumstance or some split, personal splits. And here, um, Gans all along, I think, wanted to join because all of them fear going to another election. And another election, I think, this time would have been devastating for them and maybe for Lieberman, maybe for others. Lieberman announcing that he would support both sides, and then both sides agreed to keep him out. Um, and the the um, the blue and white divided with 15 members going with Gantz into the government and 18 going under the leadership of Ya'alom and Lapid, who refused to join the unity government, uh, and they will be leading the opposition because the Arab party would have been the leaders of the opposition, but they're 15. So this way, with 18 members, the blue and white um, remnant group will will uh, be the opposition leaders. Mm-hmm. Right now, Gantz was elected with the Likud votes, but not the votes of his breakaway blue and white. As the Speaker of the Knesset for the interim period, it is likely that Yudhali Edelstein will get it back again. And uh, he will become, Gantz will become foreign minister and Ashkenazi defense minister, or the reverse. They will get a bunch of other ministries, justice, etc. Uh, people like Bennett will go back to education. Uh, we don't know, I don't know all the assignments yet, but uh, I think Katz will be finance. Um, and, of course, the prime minister will rotate uh, over an 18-month period. Uh, he will be prime minister for 18 months, and then the blue and white will have it for 18 months. I think it could be a very stable government. And the fact is that on ideological grounds, the, there weren't vast differences between uh, Gantz and Netanyahu. And with many members of blue and white, some of whom used to work for Netanyahu. So I think uh, it wasn't hard on those grounds to, to reach an accord. 
uh, you know, there were personal animosities, et cetera, but I think Gantz read it right, and I think Netanyahu read it right, and know that right now the people of Israel need stability to face the uh, crisis of the, of, the to- of the moment, the virus, but also the long-term challenges, which continue. People aren't focused. I mean, we continue to monitor what goes on everywhere in the region, out of the region, and the the challenges remain very great. The the, the situation in Gaza, the situation in Lebanon didn't, didn't disappear. And you saw a rocket was fired uh, from Syria yesterday and taken down by the uh, IAF. Uh, but the the challenges continue. So this is really important. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. In general, do you think that, I mean, I don't know if the Syrian episode, you know, was corona-related, meaning they knew that, you know, Israel was on its heels because of the situation and therefore took advantage, but do you think that there are terrorist groups right now who are thinking of ways to take advantage, that people are focused on a very serious something else at this point well iran always looks for diversions they themselves iran as you know is probably the second worst after china in terms of numbers uh, and the numbers that we get there are wholly incomplete uh, people have told me many thousands have died there uh, and the government admits to close to three thousand but it, it's in fact uh, much more and the economic conditions there are, are very bad. And this is the failure of the government to act and to close some of the religious places and others. They had a large number of Chinese Muslims that they brought, people they're converting to to train them in their brand of Shia. And um, there were no restrictions also because they are part of the One Belt, One Road uh, program, uh, as is, uh, I think, Venezuela and others, where the numbers are high, brought many tens of thousands of Chinese workers in with no restrictions. They did. They acted very late. They don't have the facilities to to restrict. They blame the United States for the failure because they say that we can't get medicine because of sanctions. It's a lie. The U.S. sanctions don't affect medicine, doesn't affect food, doesn't affect any of these things. And they just threw out the doctors without borders, without letting them even set up the hospital they set. And they said that Khamenei said he won't take American drugs because they've studied the Iranians, they know our vulnerabilities, and these drugs are meant to exploit and to kill and do all sorts of things. And the um, uh, so the situation there is deteriorating. We don't know if they will seek some sort of uh, an alternative. We see in Gaza that there's a limited number of cases, mostly brought by two guys who came back from Pakistan, affected some border guards. But for Gaza, they are very strict because it will spread like wildfire there. They had an imam who, who said you should pray for the virus and, um, you know, that attack people, their enemies. <laughs> but, the, but right now, cooperation, especially between the PA and Israel on this, is very good. Israel's provided them with some masks and with um, the testing kits and stuff. But, you know, it's in Israel's interest to contain it, and certainly they, on humanitarian grounds they have been providing guidance and assistance. There was an outbreak in Bethlehem that was um, sealed off. Uh, there are other areas where they have uh, uh, hotspots of the um, uh, of the virus, uh, but it is uh, they're working together to contain it. There is a joint hot uh, uh, joint war room effort 
between the two, the PA and Israeli security, to try and prevent people from crossing and prevent. Uh, but you know how many workers come into Israel and how many people. Yeah. So it's in Israel's interest to make sure that um, whatever can be done to limit the spread and limit the, the, the transit between the two. And if they don't come in now, they certainly have over the last couple of weeks. Um, so you know we have a connection, obviously. Uh, you know friends who have Ira- who are from uh, Iranian descent, and they have relatives still there, and. The relatives claim that there are people who, if they show up with uh, with symptoms and certainly serious symptoms, that they could be shot dead. Have you heard reports like that from Iran? I've not heard that they're shooting people. Uh, I do know that they're neglecting people and that people are not being uh, treated. And we know from satellite pictures that they prepared some mass graves um, and don't have the capacity for, for uh, treating them and for uh, handling the the cases that they have. And that's why you also have uh, such a large uh, number of deaths. You know, Iran spent $16 billion over the last six years on terrorism. Billion. $16 billion. billion. They stole a billion euros that was intended for medical supplies and uh, and continued to hoard the masks, the gloves, and other things for themselves and, and for sale on the black market. They, you know, we just got the report that Levinson... Um, the former FBI agent who's been missing, he was arrested in March of 2007 and last seen, I think, 2010 in a prison uniform, and the Iranians kept denying they knew where he was. American government intervened, tried to get him. They um, didn't let, uh, denied and did, said they didn't know where he was, and, of course, now they, they acknowledge he was dead, and Americans believe that he died before this outbreak right. and sometime earlier. Uh, and we extend we extend our condolences to the families. And that's the that's a situation time, you know, that you've been very aware of for the last decade, right? You've been yeah. So we've been talking about yeah. it. We intervened, but right. we got to get nowhere. And uh, you know, in, in two cases in Germany and in, in, in Denmark, um, we have cases of Iranian spies being arrested and for carrying out threats within those countries and posing great dangers. So Iran is not diminishing. It's actions, it's uh, foreign actions, and, you know, still trying to get this sophisticated weapons, and that's one of the concerns is that Iran will move ahead on its nuclear program as well as the, um, the precision guidance systems to, to Lebanon uh, under the cover of the, the, the virus and saying, you know, people's attention is, uh, is not on it. So, the, the, you know, and they continue at the same time to spew the anti-Israel, anti-Jewish, anti-American hatred on the Internet, and even the Palestinians still continue to spread some blood libels. Unbelievable. Uh, Malcolm Holmline with us, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Let's go back now uh, to the topic of the day. So, so you have to explain a couple of these steps that took place. Originally, why was, why was Edelstein out as Speaker? Did he resign? Was he forced out? What was that about? Well, he was forced out, and and he did ultimately resign, and that was a fight over control of Knesset, where the Supreme Court intervened and ordered that he allow, first of all, the Knesset to be convened, the Arrangements Committee, which is the most important committee, uh, to be convened, and they had the right to call for the, the Arrangements Committee. It's very powerful. People don't know about it, but they would call for to convene and to there were two things, two objectives. One was to remove him and put in somebody from blue and white because they said they had 61 seats, therefore they have the majority uh, and should have picked the speaker. Right. And second, 
to pass a bill that would say that somebody who's under indictment can't run for prime minister. Whether it could be retroactive or not was not clear. So they were pressing to get the arrangements committee, get the Knesset open. He said, with the virus and everything, he just put it off till till this week. Then he said he wasn't going to open it until there was cleared while there were negotiations for unity government, because this would undermine it. Uh, Ultimately, the Supreme Court intervened and essentially told him that he had to do it. He said he could not uh, operate under this kind of manipulation and therefore resigned um, to some criticism, but it looks like he will get the position back now. And, and why did Gantz become the temporary one? That was just part of this whole deal? That's part of the deal now, is that so that it's it's still blue and, a blue and white guy, but right. it's part of a representative unity government. He was elected with the Likud votes. And what uh, what's the number now? You may have said it before. What's the total number now and what will be the unity government? It's more than 61, right? It's over 70. Over 70. Uh, Malcolm, there are people who are saying that Gantz fell for another uh, genius BB political trick. Is that? Could you explain what that trick was, if in fact that's true? Uh, look, people have credited BB with um, being a brilliant uh, manipulator of the situation or somebody who really masters it. Uh, I think he's demonstrated leadership during the Corona affair, and people appreciated it. And I think they recognize that they went to election. First of all, he can't hold an election because he can't vote, right. uh, and that Netanyahu would probably do much better. Second, by its very nature, these parties often become conglomerations of people who ultimately don't agree and don't get along. And I think that uh, Lapid, for instance, was considered a naysayer to every proposal. Uh, I think Gantz would have agreed to a unity government earlier, and the only outcome, as with so many parties, when Sharon started, ultimately, when they, they lose their that a purpose, it wasn't an ideological or a political goal, it was, uh, it, it was a political one that they ultimately dissolved. And I think Gantz was reading it right and said, this is an opportunity for a unity government. He becomes prime minister in 18 months. Meantime, they will be uh, playing a, a very influential role. And, uh, did and B- splitting. Did, did BB manipulate all this? You're not re- willing to get to that point to say that. I don't think it's manipulation. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering that, why that people are a, saying that. I think that. it was a you know reading of the tea leaves about what what the prospects yeah. were for the future. You know, if he really if he really wanted White. to if he really wanted to manipulate things, he'd be prime minister for the entire term. He would have figured out a way to stay in office for the entire time. I'm I'm, I'm confused what the uh, what the manipulation would be that people are accusing him of. Now, once these 18 months end, do you suspect? That he that that will be his last days ever as prime minister, or yes. he, uh, he will not run again eighteen months later. When I don't think so. I, look, he'll be seventy three. I yeah, think he will. So this will be his swan song. This is his swan song. But he goes down with dignity, even though he'll be on trial likely right. during this time. Right. But you know, he 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 you know he as that song he did it my way. Right. Well, he did it his way, and and everybody I think acknowledges that he he did, and and I think right now. Even the opposition agrees that you need stability. The truth is that the opposition is very limited. When you take the two parties together, the blue and white and and Netanyahu, uh, together they represented 70. And they could say that they are mainstream. The the extreme left is very weak. Uh, Labor uh, left and broke out of the alliance with Meretz. So you have fringes on the side, and here you have the religious party. So you have a huge coalition that could be a stable government, and Israel needs stability. The average government lasts two and a half years. 
they need a government that will last, that will fight the virus, that will bring back the economic conditions, yeah. that will look at the military threats, that uh, the security threats that Israel faces to bring back tourism. This will take a huge amount of time, huge effort, and, of course, a lot of money. Everybody, from the, from the leaders of countries to regular common folk, are looking at that calendar and just wondering how long this is going to last. When I see the predictions of 18 months, that really makes me shudder, frankly. And uh, everyone's hoping. First, everyone's, of course, in our community hoping, you know, after Pesach, things ease up. And then there are other benchmarks as we continue to get closer to the summer and, the, and believe it or not, the new year in September. And uh, And obviously the greatest fear is the fear of the unknown at this point. We just have no idea whatsoever. Um, so, uh, so he's now prime minister. I, I guess that is the best move that could have happened for him legacy-wise. He had to assume that position one more time. Otherwise, it would be he went down in a, uh, in a flurry of, of indictments, right? Basically, that's how, how history would have treated it. I think he sees it that way, too. Yeah. And he has things to accomplish. And if he you know, can show that he works together well with them, um, it will be a positive outcome. And it can help also assure that there will be the proper leadership to follow him. Yeah. Uh, a lot of innovative things are going on, and obviously Israel, as we know, as you told us last week, continues to work on the vaccine, etc. Anything new over the last week of note uh, from Israel in terms of supply manufacturing or, you know, uh, medical manufacturing that, uh, or, or this effort to simply, simply, this effort to create a vaccine and the effort to uh, uh, to ship those uh, possible, med- you know, the medications that possibly could help in this case. Those are essentially the priorities at this point. Uh, yesterday, six million pills arrived, sent by Teva, free of charge. Wow. And they're being distributed, especially here in New York, and also in other parts of the country. Wow. Um, to, this is the, it isn't proven, and it's not a panacea. Uh, and there are some, you know, there are all sorts of debates about this, but in there are cases where it really worked, and there are people who swear, doctors who swear by it, and they donated this. I think it's, it's again, not the kind of thing that gets the attention that it should. But I know that there are Israeli firms working on this, as there are American firms desperately looking for all sorts of different... Uh, uh, but the antibodies in people who have overcome it, uh, the people looking at the various uh, drugs that were... Uh, used for other things. I think Teva has 2,500 drugs, and they're now going through one by one to see if any of them have application here. So, the yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, but so far, there's really no simple solution. Um, do you sometimes cringe at the president's press conferences? Sometimes thinking he may be overstating things or underestimating the danger that's out there? I think that well, I think he's trying to give hope or and trying to to not uh, spook the markets more than they have been, right. and to give some indication that you know that there will be an end to this. Um, of course, you got to always be factual. You, know, you cannot mislead people because then you have no credibility when there are really important messages to get out. But look at his popularity ratings at sixty percent plus. He people appreciate the leadership that he's given, um, and you know. Again, everybody can be a critic. And maybe they were late. Maybe they were didn't pay attention to some of the early warnings. I don't know. It's just, you, you can't base it just upon reports that come out during the heat of the battle. You got to see afterwards what what really uh, happened. Uh, but there clearly is an all-out effort, and the 
this $2 trillion package, which I hope will alleviate some of the suffering for, for people. Um, but he's, he seems to have touched a good part of the American people with his messages. Are you still hearing from communities around the world? Last week you told us about Spain and Italy and what Jewish leadership is trying so desperately to to do and to deal with all the deaths, etc. Have you heard from people this week? I did, and many more places. Um, we've been getting some now in South America, um, uh. and uh, but but uh, Europe, England now, of course, has become worse, much worse. Uh, France is is very bad, and if you look, a lot of leading rabbis and others have been dying here as well. Yep, older and, people certainly, right? And, but but it's not just older people, and this is something we've got to get across. People who are in their 30s and 40s think they're, they're immune to this. It's not true. I get calls from all sorts of places asking, can we get medicines, medicines, and they've got people they're talking about are 32, 44, 50, uh, even some younger than that. But So nobody is immune to it. They shouldn't think that this is something that, that only attacks uh, older people. Um, the one death in Borough Park was a guy who was super healthy and just suddenly turned around and, and died. And, the, and you have Russia Yeshiva, you have others. I mean, and normal people, plain people, would just, um, and I don't blame them because we don't know the circumstances, but... Nobody should think that they're immune or protected from from the impact. Uh, um, finally, Russian warships in the English Channel close to the United Kingdom. What's that all about? We don't know yet whether this is show force, but Russia, which is under tremendous pressure, you know, and and he often looks looks for diversions. Um, you know, they're having problems in Syria, and there's clashes between the Russians and the Turks. Uh, in in Syria and Turkey, threatening to invade, threatening to escalate. Um, the virus is in Russia. It's it's somewhat contained. At least the reporting of it is contained. So we don't know really there the real numbers. Uh, but the economic conditions, because it, it is Russia that is the largest exporter, and we don't know whether this is some sort of a concoction to destroy the American oil industry and then them roar back. But we know the immediate impact, and that is that that the economy of Russia is in really deep straits, and the, the um, uh, existence of the virus around the country, and then you don't have outside of the big cities good medical uh, uh, treatment. So um, we don't know what uh, what kind of a show of force or some symbolic message uh, comes with these things, but um, you know these are only preliminary reports. We'd be surprised, at, meaning as Americans who have a certain impression of Russia, how weak their medical system is. Right? It's not. Yes. It's not nearly as good as we uh, as we would conjecture for a large and powerful country that they are. Well, I think for Moscow, I think certainly the private systems are probably good, and for for those who can afford it. But for the masses, it is still very poor, and uh, the whole economic infrastructure they they are doing relatively well. I've spoken to people in Moscow. Um, and they, of course, have it, and people are, are operating under restrictions, but nothing like here. Yeah. Um, but, yes, you, people in much of the country don't get the services, and, and there's food distribution is very weak. In um, Even if there might be a lot in one place, it doesn't get, necessarily get around to others. Um, 
and they are and they have plenty of areas that are de- as densely populated as some of our areas. Right? Everyone thinks you know Russia's this vast land with you know <laughs> with miles and miles between families, but uh, but there's plenty of dense po- de- densely populated areas there. Uh, final word of inspiration. Here's what I've been saying, Malcolm. You ready for this? Yes. Uh, why are we doing all this? Why are we going through the loneliness of this upcoming holiday of Pesach? Everyone's going to be lonely this Pesach. Either people will literally be alone, or those of us who you know we're expecting certain family members, friends, guests, you know, will feel a tinge of loneliness. They're not going to be there, and of course, those who prepare Pesach Starim for hundreds of people, which so many do. Um, we spoke to Rabbi Kanelsky about that the other day. I uh, will certainly feel a tinge of loneliness, if not more than that, uh, during this holiday. And why are we doing all this? We're doing this so that next Pesach, we could have the exact opposite Yontif, that we could have everybody we want at our Seder table, that we want uh, to invite, and relatives we want to be with, children and grandchildren and siblings and grandparents, etc., etc. And Malcolm, we might have an indication that this is possible with a lot of with a big glimmer of hope in the future because if you look at this year's calendar, we go from Yuntif into Shabbos, three-day Yuntif in Chutzlaretz. If you look at next year's calendar, it is exactly the opposite. We go from Shabbos into Yuntif, a three-day Yuntif. So we're hoping and praying that when we get to next year, it is the exact opposite situation that we are in right now. Or maybe it'll be a two-day yantif because by then we'll all be in Eretz Israel and we'll have the gula. Amen to that. And, and I thought uh, you were advocating for a two-day yantif here. I got excited <laughs> there for a moment. <laughs> hey, how but, about uh, how there's ba- so many changes and so many gulas that, and and things that you know restrictions that are lifted for one year? People should remember this is not for every year that uh, you know from lifting the things on Tavilas Kalim and from having to take new dishes to the mikveh, all these things that um, have been lifted this year should be reminded. But also, I think maybe people will appreciate their families, the things that we take for granted, all the ability to interact, to see our children, and, and to be close to friends. That and, and I think another thing is that a lot of families, including mine, who haven't made Pesach at home in many, many years, are learning how to do it again. And it's, um, you know, it's a reward in of itself, too. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, we will speak, please, God, next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and uh, thank well, you very much. Malcolm Holnine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM.